0: Every drug is monitored for safety. With COVID 19, hundreds of millions of doses have gone out at the same time. That's a first. How do we monitor the safety of all those vaccine doses? I'm Jeff Stewart from Sineos Health Consulting. I'm joined today by Carol Aliar, Executive Vice President, Global Head of Safety and Pharmacovigilance at Sineos Health. Carol has a modest army of over a thousand safety and pharmacovigilance professionals that she leads. We'll be talking about how we know that COVID-19 vaccines and all drugs are safe next on the Sineo's Health Podcast. Carol Aliar, welcome to the Sineo's Health Podcast. Thanks, Jeff. So you are Executive Vice President of Safety and Pharmacovigilance, which is a mouthful. Is safety the same thing as pharmacovigilance? Can we just say safety?
1: We can just say safety. It is tantamount to the same thing, correct? What do you do? I run a team of almost 1,000 healthcare professionals worldwide, and we process and analyze safety data generated from both clinical trials and products prescribed by physicians.
0: A lot of times when we think about safety and drugs, we know what the safety downsides often are before we start, and so they're easy checkboxes. How do you keep track of things when they could be anything under the sun? It's
1: interesting how we think about that in safety and pharmacovigilance as a science. We spend all our time detecting, assessing, understanding and trying to predict adverse effects. And that allows us to more ably define the risk benefit of a particular drug. And simply there's only one goal in safety and pharmacovigilance and that is patient safety. It's all about patient safety. Many approved medicines that you find on the market today all carry a risk of an adverse effect. And the aim of any treating doctor is to make sure that the benefits to the patient outweigh these risks.
0: And is the risk-benefit analysis, do you see that typically as being skewed too much towards safety or too little towards safety? Or does it feel just right and kind of a Goldilocks sort of answer?
1: I think it's Goldilocks. I think it is just right. I don't think we can ever throw caution to the wind. This is all about patient safety. And we have to make sure at all times the data is giving enough information to the healthcare professionals that they make the best informed decision for that particular patient at that particular time with that particular need.
0: As we record this podcast, one of the three vaccines that's currently under emergency use authorization has a pause for literally a one in a million safety concern that has cropped up. How is it that you view it?
1: Well, I think the first thing is it is very rare, but that's a signal to the world that we're actually doing our job, both the regulators, the company, and everybody helps monitor safety and pharmacovigilance. I think we should think about COVID-19 for a moment and say that it has put unprecedented pressure in the healthcare systems of the world. And everybody has been working incredibly hard to find a solution, a vaccine, a treatment for COVID-19. And it started really with regulators asking and collaborating with the industry, the pharmaceutical industry, to develop drugs faster than they'd ever done before, and that they would accelerate approval, given sufficient data to make sure it was on the surface safe. But we never know the adverse event profile is particularly effective until we start to see large-scale exposure. I think the regulators are working closely with that company just to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Are they the signals there? Do the benefits still outweigh the risk to dying from COVID-19 or taking the treatment?
0: So tell me about COVID-19 and what it's doing to safety and the word that I've been avoiding, pharmacovigilance.
1: Well, I think the first thing was, I think it's changing the landscape totally. Because as I said to you, in normal circumstances, it takes about 15 years to bring a new drug to the marketplace. 15 years. But with this global pandemic, we've had to accelerate to levels that we've never seen before to try and find a global solution to a very serious problem. And I think as a result, what that has meant is the speed of research, the volume of research undertaking has meant that the amount of data that's been generated has been incredibly significant, greater than probably what we've ever seen before in such a short period of time. So that's put a lot of pressure onto the technology surrounding pharmacovigilance in order to make sure that we could keep up with all the regulated demands and the pace of exposure of patients to some of these rapidly accelerated products that had gone into vaccinations of millions of people within a very short period of time.
0: It's hard to think, actually, if there's ever been a new pharmaceutical, so in this case, a vaccine, three vaccines in the US that have come out so quickly to so many people. As I think about it, and as you just said it there, it is a lot of people very quickly. (laughs) How do you keep up?
1: Absolutely. The first thing is, I think in my lifetime or in my experience of working in the industry, I have never seen development take place at the speed that it has to address COVID-19. And I think that we should just stop for a second and reflect and say that was only achieved by the collaborative approach that the healthcare professionals, the pharmaceutical industry, and the regulators took to say that it's going to have to be a coordinated and concerted effort to address COVID-19. And I think as a result of that, what we've seen is some absolutely new products being identified for the treatment of COVID-19 or for the vaccination against COVID-19, and also a repurposing of existing much older drugs for this opportunity to try and treat or vaccinate against COVID-19. As a result of that, The rapid pressure to deploy meant that we had to give accelerated approvals and that really the safety and pharmacovigilance of such products are going to have to continually monitored for a much longer period post-availability to try and look at some of these very, very unusual signals that are presenting that we would normally have seen in discovery because you would have been monitoring it for 10 to 15 years in populations, whereas now some of these products are available in less than one year.
0: And some of them, I mean, we talk about vaccines, vaccines typically, and we have a lot of experience with vaccines writ large. Vaccines, if they have adverse events, they typically show up in the first 60 days, often the first 30 days. So there's at least some reason to believe that you'd have answers quickly. With others that are truly new drugs, we don't have that same bank of experience to say that if we look at the clinical trials that we've had with vaccines, we can at least reasonably say from the safety profile that the safety looks good until you get to potentially millions and millions of people so that you detect the one in a million sort of answer. I'm wondering if you're seeing it basically the same way or if you're seeing something different from what I've just said.
1: I think we're absolutely agreeing, Jeff. We're seeing it the same way. And I think the challenge is a good thing, actually, for the informed individuals and healthcare authorities of the world, that we are getting rapid signals, even in the last few days, AstraZeneca, G&G, bit, be cautious, depending on some sort of signals we've seen. And that's coming quite quickly after we're seeing millions of people being exposed to the product. But those millions of people are being exposed in days or weeks rather than months and years. So it's exactly as you said, we're getting our signals much faster than a traditional pharmaceutical product because one, it's a vaccine and two, the rapid deployment and the millions and billions of people that are being exposed to these products in the shortest possible time.
0: Yeah, it's interesting with COVID. And especially as we think about and I hear from you that we should be worried about safety risks that would not have emerged in clinical trials just by the design. And then we do see them with the rapid deployment. And that's fair. The other side of it is that with COVID, there are very well known side effects and they are deadly. Of course, there are all the deaths that we see, but for every death of a person in the hospital with COVID-19, 13 people were hospitalized, three to four had long-term lung damage, two to three had permanent heart damage, and two had mental illness that lasted three months or longer. It's not as though we have an option that's safe. We have an option that's much, much, much safer, and that's the place where we're now spending our attention to make sure that it really is the safest possible option.
1: I wholeheartedly agree. And I think for myself, the way I look at that too is it's a safer option. And then if we get some signals that present and it helps us identify subpopulations that maybe we should avoid vaccinating for different risk profiles, then if we can do that, we're actually making it even safer for more people to be vaccinated and directing different subpopulations to different solutions. So it's the right product for the right individual at the right time with the most optimal risk benefit solution.
0: What do you think would surprise most people, either in the industry or in the public, about how safety and pharmacovigilance works in real life?
1: I maybe think the biggest surprise might be the amount of human capital that is absolutely still involved and necessary has to remain involved in contributing to the execution of safety events throughout the world. Many people think today everything's done remotely, it's all technology driven and we have deployed a lot of technology because the volume of data has been unquestionable. As an industry, pharmaceutical industry and the safety systems that are available, they're ageing. They've been there for a long time and we've got a lot of comfort in how they work. But the reality with something like COVID nineteen and the volume of data has meant that we've all had to work differently and smarter and we've had to deploy artificial intelligence automation steps much more rapidly than we probably would have done in the traditional way. But at the same time it does take a resourceful amount of people to put the human touch to the assessments, etc. So the computers and the robots and the AIs can do so much of the processing, but they can never replace the scientists behind the assessments and I think probably the biggest thing in the pub would be my goodness there's that many people involved you know even in my own team we're we're a thousand plus individuals we're based throughout the globe we talk about we follow the sun, you know, we start in Australia in the morning, we move to Japan, we go to India, then we pick up those cases in Europe, then we move to the US and then we move to the West Coast and then we're back around. So it's almost like a 24 hours production to keep that safety machine working to make sure that we can provide our customers timely, accurate data to help them make informed decisions about their product at any one time.
0: So if you don't know what safety people do, and I don't know what safety people do, so this is not an idle question, Carol, what is it that they're doing? Are they taking phone calls of, we've just heard that somebody's had a safety event and then they're following up on it? Are people scanning Facebook? What is it that gets people to understand that there is a safety problem? There are going to be millions of problems that people have because they're alive.
1: We could probably spend the rest of their time together talking about it. There's lots of things, but it's exactly how I would put this into context for you. The first thing is, Any adverse effect that happens has to be reported. So it can come to your healthcare professional or you call a call centre and say, I've just been vaccinated. I have a very severe headache. What should I do? And that's not normal. And some of the regulators ask for such things to be expedited, reported. And the problem is there's so many sources of data. So you've got phone healthcare paper, etc. Social media, all sorts, just telling your friend on your WhatsApp nearly that you've got an event. The first thing is, how do we collect that data? And the role of safety and pharmacovigilance is really to provide a sort of centralised repository where we first of all can get all that data into one place and get it entered into a database. And the receipt and the entry of the data is one of the first things we have to do in pharmacovigilance. Let's get it into a controlled system, a controlled environment, where we then can put our scientists and medics to work who can start to train data, use all different types of analytics and systems. To look for signals of unusual performance that are not in keeping either with that product or that subpatient population, and to use that data then to inform regulators on a continued basis or on a periodic basis about the adverse event profile of the product and to see how consistent is it to what we thought about it at the time of approval by that regulatory body.
0: So we've been talking about COVID nineteen products and treatments for COVID-19 or vaccines for COVID-19. But the pandemic hasn't just affected COVID-19. It's affected every drug that's in the market or that's being tested. How has it?
1: It's a great question. I think the first thing we should start with and acknowledge that during a global pandemic such as COVID-19, I think the first thing that happened is we've seen quite a lot of pressure in the normal clinical research environment. Because healthcare environments had to close. Patients on clinical trials had sometimes to have treatment interruptions because of supply chain challenges. And many of the clinics had to adjust the way they worked to actually start to treat patients who were sick with COVID-19. So I think one of the things we've seen under a global pandemic is many other research activities and healthcare activities had to take a slightly different priority. Now what's interesting about that is one could have said so the only thing we were working on was COVID-19 and that wasn't actually the case. I think we as an industry found many different ways of working such as remote monitoring, taking nurses to the patients etc to minimise any risks of patients having to come to hospitals that were totally dedicated to treating COVID-19. And one of the things that I think I noticed even in the department I run is we might not have done as much COVID-19 work as you would think. But one of the things that did increase for me was the amount of non-COVID-19 safety and pharmacovigilance work. And initially I was a bit surprised about that. But then when I really looked at what was happening was under this rapid deployment to find a solution to this global pandemic, most pharmaceutical companies needed to reprioritize what they were working on to find solutions to COVID-19. And everybody then within that organization had to find focus on COVID-19. But the safety reporting for all their established products and portfolios still continued. So for myself, what I seen was then we were able to deploy some support to some of our customers by taking their place on very established and seasoned products and do the safety and pharmacovigilance review for them whilst they focused on the new solutions. So it did require quite a change.
0: Carol Oliar, that's been so interesting talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sineos Health Podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Jeff. The pleasure was all mine. Speak to you soon.
0: That's all for today's episode of the Sineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Sineos Health Consulting. If you want to talk through a hard decision you're making at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at For access to more future-focused, actionable life sciences insights, visit the Cineos Health Insights Hub at insightshub.health. Sineos Health, shortening the distance from lab to life.